It's gonna be a wet one today. Why you ask? Well, I just got rained on uh, walking over here. Just wanna make a cool video and uh, I got soaked. That's pretty much the only reason why. So other than that, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about quarantine tanks and why I think it's the most overlooked thing in the hobby. So we're gonna talk about the reasons you need them. Stay tuned. All right, welcome. My name is Dan Connor, your host of the Aquarium Insider Podcast. And today we are talking about quarantine tanks. So without any further ado, let's just kind of jump into it. So what is a quarantine tank? For those of you who might be new, you're like, why do I need, what is a quarantine tank? Well, essentially a quarantine tank, just gonna get some water off my face. Sorry, still a little wet too. A quarantine tank is a buffer tank between bringing new fish into your already established aquarium and the store you bought them from or the online store you bought them from. So why would you need a quarantine tank? What's the point? How many times, if you're new to the hobby and you haven't seen this, but you've been around, you've probably seen this happen before. How many times have you gotten fish from a store, you brought them home, you put them in your aquarium, and then out of nowhere, all your fish have ick. And you're like, the store sold me sick fish. Well, possibly, right? But another thing is, those fish could just have underlying things that they didn't see or you didn't see when you purchased them. So we, as Aquarius, have to do our best job of making sure we're not adding sick fish to the aquarium. Picture this, I give you $50 and I say, hey, I'm gonna give you another $50, but there's a 50-50 chance this whole pile of money I'm gonna give you is gonna light on fire. And you just keep taking, and I just keep giving you money. And eventually that whole pile is gonna light on fire. That's essentially what you're doing when you're just adding brand new fish to your aquarium. So the first, the first thing I just wanna answer in this video is, is I think it's a misnomer in industry. Maybe it's not, you tell me. If you're buying fish from a fish store, normally do normally whatever it is and you don't have a quarantine tank set up it's likely you're going to have problems at some level because you got to think about you got to think about all the things that happen on that fish's journey right how did that fish get from wherever it came from to your local pet store it's been on quite a journey so it's either been on a journey from maybe Florida, from a farm to one of the local distributors and then to your pet store, a little bit less, right? But if you're buying things like Rummy Nose Tetras, most betas, um, let's see, what else can I think of that's imported in? A lot of your platies now, a lot of your swords all come from overseas. It has a quite a few more stops before it makes it to you. It typically will come from whatever farm overseas. That could be Singapore, uh, that could be Bangkok, that could be Sri Lanka, that could be Vietnam, Malaysia, Hong Kong, China with the big fancy goldfish. Could be any of those, right? They leave the farm, then they go to the exporter, right? And then from the exporter, they'll get shipped over here. And there's a couple different ways they might travel, right? They could go to a massive um, transshipper, 
where they're bringing in a bunch and then they're selling them off to either larger wholesalers or other distributors, right? Or, you know, some people cut a link out of the chain and they go direct to the distributor from there, right? And then the distributor distributes to your pet stores. And then your pet store gets them, right? That fish has been in and out of different water quality parameters from Singapore to California, Seattle could be stopped off in Missouri. It could stopped in a few different places, right? And then it makes it to your, your local pet store and it's stressed out. It's more than likely gonna have problems at some level, right? So it requires your due diligence to make sure you're putting a healthy fish in your aquarium. Because a lot of times, and you know, most pet stores, most fish stores don't have the space to quarantine new fish. It's very expensive per square foot to rent, to rent a retail space. They don't have a lot of the, you know, a lot of the times to be able to not sell something that's come in. They might be able to keep it in a separate tank, hopefully, maybe leave it for a little bit, see how it comes in, right? And the fish has been treated beforehand. It's not that the fish hasn't been treated beforehand, but it's it's very difficult for a retail store to sell fish, to, to basically hold fish in a separate location unless they got a really good deal on the retail space. It's just not a very affordable way to run a business. Now, best management practices they could quarantine them? Of course, that's great management practices. But for us as hobbyists, as us as aquarists, we have to make sure whatever fish we're introducing in our aquarium that we do what we can to make sure it's healthy. So we need a quarantine tank. I'm sorry, you need one. It's it's detrimental. And basically you're just trying to make sure you don't kill everything else in your tank. Do you wanna add possibly sick fish and then the whole tank blow up on you because maybe you're unfamiliar with how to deal with it and how to deal with the issues, right? So let's go ahead and let's go into what is in a quarantine tank setup, all right? So quarantine tank setup doesn't require a ton. I'm not looking for a full fancy setup with aquarium kits and all that stuff. Let's let's keep it simple, right? For most of us, if they're smaller-ish fish for the most part, let's talk about community fish setup. Maybe that's a little bit easier. If you're if you're keeping community fish and anything from like a 29 to a 55 and they're smaller, generally speaking, you can put most of those inside of a 10-gallon tank. Mind you, we're, we're considering this a very temporary home. This is just to make sure those fish are not introducing new pathogens into our home aquariums. That's kind of the point, right? So that's something to consider. So a 10 gallon aquarium, pick it up at a dollar per gallon sale, pick it up at your local stores, marketplaces, have them all the time. Just pick one of those up, right? You need a filter. It, if it's me and I'm putting a filter on there, I think sponge, a sponge filter and aquarium pump work fine for this. If you don't have one and you just like, well, I got an extra hang on back, only thing I would say is remove the carbon filter cartridges that are out of it. The carbon's going to remove a lot of the biologics or maybe some of the, you know, the stuff we're going to treat the fish with. It would remove it out of the water. And we will make sure that doesn't happen because we need to treat the fish for X amount of time. Right. So let's do that. And then as long as you have those things, I don't think you need a light specifically. If you've got ambient light in the room, I think that's OK. If you want to put a light to more visually inspect the fish. I think that's probably a really extra great thing to do, but I'm trying to keep it really cheap and cost effective uh, as best I can. That's that's the biggest point I want behind this, right? All right, so now we've got our tank, we've got we've got a filter of some kind, and and we're ready to go, 
right? Hopefully, now I didn't mention this. Let me mention this real quick. Your hang on back or your sponge filter, I'm hoping it's already been seeded, meaning you let some sort of biological media. Hopefully you have something like this in your aquarium. You let that season in your tank that you already had established and you put it in this new little quarantine tank. If you don't have this and you just have cartridges, I need to make a video on filtration next. So maybe that's what I do next time is if that is a video on filtration, but you need something in there where the good bacteria has already been established for the most part, right? If you don't have that, I recommend getting one of these. Sorry, I'm just reaching for stuff because I see it here. So these are basically bacterial starters where you can add to any size aquarium. We like Fritz 7. We also use Dr. Tim's. We've used them both, had great results with both of them. Essentially, it's just where you can put fish in the aquarium the same day without having massive ammonia and nitrite spikes, which if you're not familiar with the nitrogen cycle, go check out my first video where Jay talks about the nitrogen cycle. I'll link it in somewhere here for you uh, to go check that out. So it's definitely 100% required if you don't have a seeded filter already. Okay. All right. All right. So you've got your established filter. We got your tank set up. All right. Now, what are you doing? You have these fish. Hopefully you've done some research on adding them and they're going to go well with your fish. Right? What kind of fish you want to keep? Do you want to keep things that are, you know, super active? Are you looking for something that might be a little bit more aggressive? Maybe some sort of biotope where, you know, maybe everything's from the same sort of region, you know, kind of have those sorts of questions kind of nailed out and then kind of proceed with what size tank you, you're going to get, if that makes sense. Numero uno. Now you've got them, you brought them home, you've got your good fish, you've got them in there. Now what do you do? All right, so real quick, let's talk about why we're treating these fish. I already spoke about all the transit. It's thunder in here, so you're gonna hear some thunder rumbles through here, so. I told you it was raining, so it's gonna, you're gonna get some rumblings. So, all right, I digress. <laughs> so, why are we treating this fish? Think about the stress that's put on the fish from the transit, from where it started, to the end point of your aquarium. Our goal as Aquarius is to reduce the stress level as much as possible, right? And eliminate any pathogens that was caused from the stress. That's what we want to do, right? So I explain in another video, I think maybe not yet, but fish, fish health has like what I call a three circle diagram. You have three things that, that essentially will introduce disease in tank. You've got the host, right? You've got a fish, you've got the environment it's in and you've got whatever pathogen that is growing, right? And in the center, when all those three things are present, you've got disease issues. So right now we have to eliminate the stress and possible entry of pathogens from our environment and or the host that we're bringing in the tank, right? So we need to eliminate that. So let's break down what types of pathogens or diseases we're gonna try to get rid of in our aquarium. All right, so the first one is probably the most common problem you're ever gonna have in your aquarium as far as disease issues, especially when introducing new fish or you have other issues, and that's external parasites, if specifically ick, right? Ick, if you haven't seen it, it's white spot disease. It, it, it likely comes out, you, if you've kept tanks long enough, I'm sure you've seen ick at some level, right? We have to do our best to eliminate it. Ick has a very crazy life cycle. And to not go into too much detail on the life cycle, because I'm doing another video on the life cycle of ick in a few, 
essentially it's got a a a, a, a little I'm stuttering again. It's got a life cycle that can last 14 days. So when you see white spots on your fish, when you treat the tank with what we're going to show you in a little bit, what you treat it with, we have to eliminate the white spots. Essentially, they're little spore, little cells on the fish that grow these things inside of them, and they just multiply on their own. And once they get big enough, the little white spot, it pops and releases all of them down the bottom of the water. That is the phase that we have to get to to eliminate the egg. We can't treat it on the fish. The chemicals that we're going to use is not strong enough to pop that little, essentially like a space capsule, essentially, like some sort of capsule. You're not reaching the ick that way. So what we try to do as hobbyists is, if you haven't heard it before, we want to increase the temperature. Increasing the temperature to probably 82 to 84 degrees is a good range to speed up that life cycle. So basically you're causing it to pop out faster so we can treat the fish and we can end the life cycle much, much quicker. Now, there's a caveat to that. You have to be treating with something strong enough to kill the ick. If you are not, you are likely to be causing a worse problem, which is if you can't, if you're, if you're whatever you're gonna use for it isn't strong enough, you're not using the correct dosage, you're likely to just be speeding up the life cycle into infinity. So raising a temperature up is a, it's gotta be done right, and then treating it has gotta be done the correct, right dosage. So what are you treating with? You're like, well, Dan, you told me I need to treat it, but what am I treating with? Here's what we use. So what I try to do is I go back and we use some formulations that we've made up um, over the years for what we treat with as far as in our in-house production here on the farm. And I just went out and found retail products that basically matched what we were doing that was similar or close. And this is pretty much spot on the same thing we use. The, the formulation might be slightly different, but it's the same exact product. So we like, whoop. Ickex. Ickex by Hikari is probably the best external parasite medication on the market. It takes care of virtually most external parasites that you're going to have to worry about in your home aquarium. I'm not going to go and break down all the different types it's going to go into because it's not. This is meant for people that are just trying to figure out what to do. Maybe I'll break down some different parasites in a later video, but for now, this is what you want to use for your external parasites. It's the best thing in the market. It's got formalin, it's got malachite green, and methylene blue, which are basically the three main ingredients that, that have different properties. Like formalin's good for external parasites, malachite green's good for parasites, and some fungal issues we found in the past. And then methylene blue is just something that helps keep the stress down the fish and a little bit of slime coat issues, right? It's all meant to help the fish. Now, what I do want to say using this is with a caveat. One, only uses your adult. It's got formaldehyde in it. Formaldehyde is a cancer-causing agent, and you want to make sure you're really careful with this stuff. Don't leave it open. Don't leave it around kids. None of that stuff. Don't do that. So it's something that we're using. Just be very, very careful when and how you use it. So be mindful of that. Uh, number two on this, do not overdose this specific product. You can overdose it on your fish. So when you use a formalin-based product, to take care of parasites. What you are doing is, without being too scientific, you're basically, if you overdose it, you're gonna be removing oxygen out of the water. If you're fish nerdy and you wanna know, for every um, one PPM, I'm sorry, for every six PPMs of this you use, you remove one PPM of oxygen if you wanna be super nerdy about it. You don't wanna be super nerdy about it. All you gotta worry about 
is that for if you overdose this, you could be taking out more oxygen in your tank than is needed. So just use the proper dosage on the bottle for your size aquarium. Okay, let's let's focus on that. All right, now we've dealt with our external parasites, external issues, and now we're talking about internal parasites. Is that really a big thing? Possibly, right? A lot of fish that have been cultured could have internal parasites of some kind. It might be more common in your aquariums than you see, but if you'd like to be on the safe side and treat them for internal parasites, you can. So how can I say this to make it a little bit easier? Um, there's never been a great way on introducing medications for internal parasites. I know a couple people recommend using a, a bath treatment, right? I'm, I'm not a fan of using a bath treatment for internal parasites. I just don't think it, get absorbed, it gets absorbed well enough to, do, to be very effective. And I've seen some evidence uh, in some different papers that it's not, that, not as effective as something that's been digested. So if we're going to use it for food, it's got to be very specific. So what do we use? So here, here on the farm, we use an antibiotic to deal with internal um, parasites and any bacterial diseases that's internal called metrodiazinol. Essentially, it's just something that deals with the, the gut issues, but we need to add it to food. Typically, what a lot of people have done in the past is you take the powder, you put it in your food you're using, you mix a little grain alcohol with it, you let it dry. That's been a, a way to use it, but that's it can get complicated. And then if it doesn't absorb, your fish don't like the taste of it. So there's a, there's a few issues with that. So what we've been using here uh, on the farm, and well, not even just on the farm, we were using you know garlic, obviously, to help with that because you have to mask the flavor of your medicine or the fish are not going to eat it, right? They got to make it flavor enticing. So I found some cool products. Uh, I got to test them out recently and it's the same stuff we use. It's just in a retail form and I'm super excited about it. So Metroplex by Seachem, super cool product. Essentially the same thing we're using, Metrodazinol, same stuff. We put it in the food that you're using, right? And then, but the problem with that is, is the food doesn't bind, or I'm sorry, the medication doesn't bind to the food. If you're feeding pellets or flake or something like that, preferably pellets, it makes it a little easier to absorb into. It doesn't absorb that well. So they also have this other product that's called Focus. Focus is basically a binding agent that binds the medication to the food. Okay, so great. So we've done that. We use those as directed. Like I said earlier, those treatments, I believe, are 14 days. Let me check. I'm pretty sure they're 14-day treatments like most of them are. Yeah, I repeat every two days, up to three weeks until symptoms disappear. So that's pretty good. That's standard for that. So now we've got, we've got the right medication. We've got a way to bind it to the food that doesn't require grain alcohol and a bunch of drying out, right? Now let's look at what else we need to flavor enhance it. They also sell a cool little product called Garlic Guard. Garlic Guard is just a flavor enhancer for your food. And I think it masks it really well for covering up different types of food. So we usually buy here on the farm. I mean, we were buying the basically like a flake that already had garlic in it, but I couldn't find anything until recently about how to how to do this on the on the uh, on the home Aquarius level. So I'm super excited uh, to find those products, and I think they're going to work really well for internal parasites. So that's what I would use. 
they work well versus a bath treatment. Now don't forget, I'm trying to add this to food. I think if you, if the fish eat it and absorb it, it's going to treat much better than if you were just to give something in a bath, right? I just don't think the bath works as well. And that's just a, it, it's something I've seen in industry as we go on. This is what we use versus a bath for in specifically internal issues, right? All right. What other problems in your aquarium can you run into? Well, a lot of it could just be time. So on top of using these to make sure your fish aren't sick, a lot of times your fish just need a timeout space. They need a place to recoup. They've been handled quite a few times with nets. So their slime coat, one of their first defense levels, could be broken down, right? So we need to make sure we give them time to relax and kind of gain that, that, that mucus coat back. And by the way, I guess I'll talk about this next where we're talking about their mucus layer being one of their biggest defense mechanisms, right? When they're handled, their mucus can be taken off by the nets and stuff like that. So we need to add it back. So what, is there anything we can do to add that back? And I would say yes. So we here, and this is a good remedy across the board for a lot of things, is just aquarium salt. Aquarium salt is one of the easiest things you can add to your tank to help aid the fish in just mild recovery. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if the fish has been handled a lot and it's losing some slime coat, we can add salt to help replenish the slime coat. It also helps them breathe, you know, make it easier for their gills to perform to breathe essentially, you know, requires less energy for them, right? So those are the two main reasons I like to use salt in a quarantine tank. And I use it at a concentration where that's the purpose. You can use salt at a higher concentration to remove external parasites. In the industry, in a commercialized setting, you can do either what's called a bath treatment or a dip treatment. A bath treatment is typically a, a shorter time frame where fish are immersed into a higher concentration of salt in order to physically remove any parasites off the fish because it kills them. Which, by the way, it doesn't work as well in... Um, for ick, but for a lot of the other ones it does, right? Um, in a bath treatment. Same thing with a dip. A dip is an even super concentrated salt solution where you're doing it for like a minute, 30 seconds to a minute, and you're pulling them out and put them somewhere. My preference is not to use salt in that manner because it's so stressful. And I don't think most people use it in that manner anymore because it just causes too much stress for the fish. Most people will use another medication that's less stressful, like ICX essentially, and use salt as an enhancer to improve gill function, like I mentioned earlier, and to help bring back that slime coat. And that's what I that's essentially what I want to use it for in this specific scenario for a quarantine tank, especially. So how much salt are you gonna add? Essentially, I would like to essentially I'm saying this a lot today. I would use two tablespoons of salt per 10 gallons of water. If you're super nerdy like me and you want to know what that equals out to be, essentially, God, I got to stop saying that word. <laughs> if you want to know how much that is and be super nerdy about numbers, it ends up being about one part to two parts per thousand, depending on what kind of salt you're using, because it's a little bit different when you're weighing it out. Or 36 to, I think I did a couple of different measurements, 36 to 43 grams of salt. Um, so is it, is it being a little over one gram per liter? when you're done figuring everything out, okay? All right, so now we've talked about treating uh, treating external parasites. We've talked about treating internal parasites. And by the way, what about all the other issues? Vi um, we'll talk about fungal issues. 
Well, if your fish is, if you're worried about fungal issues from a quarantine standpoint, I don't think it is necessary. One, most of the stuff I listed today are gonna take care of a lot of your fungal issues already. It's already got those kind of properties that deal with that. So that's, that's great. And then two, I'm not as concerned with fungal issues when using it for a quarantine tank because fungal issues for the most part are very secondary infections. And to not get too technical in this video because I try to keep it pretty simple. When fish are sick, fish typically get sick. They have a primary infection. And once they get infected too much, other things will start coming up because they just have a weakened immune system. It's like letting the floodgates in, right? That's what a secondary infection is. And most fungal infections are secondary for the most part. So I'm not as concerned with that. If the fish look healthy and you're treating them correctly, I'm not as concerned with that. Plus we got stuff in our, in our ICX like Malachite Green that also deals with fungal issues. So also something that I'm not as concerned. All right, so we've talked about all of that. And by the way, you know, to kind of close this out, give you some other ideas. This is just, my goal for this was just to give you an idea. Yes, this is a little bit of a setup. It's gonna cost you some money. But if you're gonna start adding a lot more tanks and a lot more fish and a few other things, if you lose all those fish, what is that gonna cost you? Probably more than a setup for what I'm what I'm offering here today is some ideas. So of what could um, happen to your aquarium. So I'm just trying to keep it simple, keep it stress-free and, and keep it fun. So what do you do? Do you have a quarantine tank? I'd like to know. I'd love if you left me a comment. Tell me what you do. If you have a quarantine process, you have questions about more quarantining tanks, what to use, what not to use, leave me a comment in the video. If this is on my podcast, uh, leave a comment, leave me a like, send me an email. I got all my contact information in the show notes. And it's been fun. And this is my couple, second or third podcast. I'm super stoked for this. And uh, it's only going to get hopefully better from here. So let me know. All right. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.